0: What's up everybody it's the orange and black insider Bengals podcast coming at you with surprisingly our first episode of the week we've had a couple of different things go on been doing some media coverage at the Super Bowl itself and John Sheeran we are kicking off this week with a doozy of a guest one of our favorite guys how
1: are you bud? Yeah, we might be kicking off in terms of the show, but you've been busy all week, man, Mister Radio Row to the to the left of me on the screen. How, how's that been, man? The 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 media availability and everything going on. How's it been? It's
0: been good. It's been good. We've talked to a couple of the coaches and a couple of the players, but uh, none I would dare say as high profile as the gentleman we are bringing on here. One of our favorites coming back to the show, Mister Tim McGee, former Bengals wide receiver, and a guy who is the very example of patience of course we get him on here i bugged the crap out of him to come on to the show he's on time i'm late because of computer (laughs) issues good lord mr mcgee great to have
2: you back uh
0: how are things this is crazy week things
2: are things are great and and let me just tell you something from my uh my um, broadcasting and media career authentic radio and television is the best people really appreciate it when when things go wrong it just shows it's normalized <laughs> in the world so you know when we're on the radio i'm doing one of my radio shows and, and something and we had we have dead spots i mean you know sometimes we're talking and advertisement comes on and things of that nature will happen but people actually love it so no apologies needed on this end
0: well i i appreciate your patience seriously and to, to your point about uh, all, all kinds of different things, special guests, we don't really have, we, we bring on a lot of different people on this show. We don't bring a ton of people on multiple times and we do that with you for good reason because you are one of our favorite guests to have on this show and we appreciate your time. I guess let's just let's just dive into it a little bit. First of all, do you like do you like the hat? That's that's uh, I, your era I right love, there.
2: I, I love I love the hat. That is my era. You can definitely <laughs> tell. It's it's a little old. It's when the dinosaurs was roaming the streets. <laughs> um, look, I guess
0: if you want to if you want to be cutesy about it, scale of one to ten, how surprised are you that we're here this week talking about this? We had John a few months ago and. You know, the Bengals had a a lot of kind of signature great wins, but some inexplicable losses. And we're kind of going, well, young team, maybe they'll be there in a year or two. How surprised are you right now that we're talking Super Bowl and the Cincinnati Bengals?
2: I am actually shocked. Uh, Don't get me wrong. I'm happy. I'm thrilled. I'm elated. All the uh, positive adjectives to describe how I feel from an emotional standpoint. But it's really been a shock. Uh, There is no way. At any point in time in the season, including up to the last minute of the last game, that I think we will actually be talking about the Bengals being in the Super Bowl and plan for a a world championship.
1: So what really changed in, in your mind since the time that we had you on to now, like what do you think has been the biggest component for them really getting to this point? Because they haven't really lost since we last talked to you.
2: Well, you know, again, I, I think it's a combination of uh, luck, uh, them being very resilient and uh, the other teams making some stupid bonehead decisions and some plays at the end of the games and uh, some bad coaching. Uh, it, you got to have all those ingredients to be successful. It's not just about the NFL has so much parity. And if you watch the, 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 the last four games, in the NFL playoffs, you would totally understand how competitive and how exciting. I'm talking those games were barn busters all the way down to the end. So we're talking about the Rams and the Bengals playing in the Super Bowl, but it could have very well been Buffalo, Kansas City, San Francisco. I mean, there could have been a plethora of teams that could have really made it. So it's it's just that fine line between winning and losing has 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 reared its head in the most dynamic way in the last couple weeks, Uh, and it's just surprising that all the combinations, the ball bounced the Bengals way, and you you think about uh, uh, Von. uh, I'm trying to think of uh, what's the uh, safety's name. It's not coming to my mind, but Von Bell. Von Bell. Von Bell Bell had the uh, the interception. What are the chances of that ball bouncing right into his bread basket? You know, again, if you go back a game before, what are the chances of uh, of Jamar Chase catching the pass? The sentiment over? you know, it's just over and over and over again. This they've gotten the breaks, and that's what you need to be successful. Talking with Tim McGee, member of the
0: Super Bowl twenty three team, and a uh, a great member of the the Cincinnati Bengals. Catching up with us once again on the Orange and or Black Insider. Happy to have him with us. Um, last, last time we had John, you, you were a, a little hard on Jonah Williams at the time. Uh, and I think that, uh, surprised us a little bit. We had known there's been a little bit of some issues there, especially health, but you know, some consistency issues feels like he's kind of picked up his play a bit, at least in the postseason. Have you, have you changed your mind on what you've seen there at all? And what do you think of the rest of the offensive
2: line, especially in the biggest game of the season coming up here? Well, I I wouldn't classify myself, and I'm not backtracking. I wouldn't classify myself as being hard on Jonah Williams. I was just being truthful. I mean, the (laughs) proof proof was in the pudding. I just, my eyes just, my voice, my vocal cords just described what my eyes saw. So it wasn't like he didn't feel the same way. He wasn't playing very well. And the offensive line wasn't playing very well. And anytime Mm -hmm. you give up nine sacks, um, don't think you're really going to get a lot of compliments about your play. So, but they were able to correct it now. With that being said, you know, again, I want to make sure we compliment and give credit where credit is due because they play very well. But the Tennessee Titans' defensive line, defensive front seven, was special, and you know, yeah, they could not make it up, make to that that level of play. So, okay, fine. However, they came back against the Kansas City Chiefs, and I thought they played very good. They played very solid. They protected Joe. They gave him the time. Consequently, you know. Now we're talking about the best defensive line in the NFL. so you know it's like you know no no rest for the worry here so it, it's gonna be it, uh, it's gonna be a little tough.
1: So something that's similar between this Super Bowl team and the Super Bowl team we were on is that both teams the previous year had only four wins in that season. And that's been a talking point with this team, how they won six games in two years. Now they found themselves in the Super Bowl. Just thinking back to the team that you were on, like aside from just playing better, what were some things that made you that helped you turn that around from a four win season to a Super
2: Bowl appearance? I think I started in training camp with our continuity and how Sam White stressed us getting and, and being a cohesive group and understanding. Because even though we won only won four games, the worst part about our team is we were separated. We were divided. It was black and white and offense, defense, and the, the little guys, the skilled guys hung out and ate lunch over there and the, and the big lineman ate lunch over there. And he had to consolidate that to build the, the, the off-the-field chemistry, which would People think chemistry starts on the field. Chemistry starts off the field. When you genuinely like your your, your teammate, you're going to play better. You're going to watch his back. You're, you're going to uplift one another. And it, sometimes it sounds cliche-ish, even corny to a certain degree, but it really plays a part. And I thought back in our day, the start of the season when Sam put us in, and he mixed black guys with white guys, offensive linemen, which, oh my God, they're the nastiest human beings alive. You know, we we, we had the room with those guys and I had a guy named Mike Hammerstein as a roommate. And trust me, I, I didn't know humans could live like that. So, so, <laughs> so, but what that did was that gave us a genuine understanding of each other. And that's where it started. Cause the physical part, guys, the physical part is, I won't say easy, but it's, it's a given. Everybody, every team has it. So what's going to separate you from the pack? It's going to be health number one. It's going to be skill number two, and it's going to be some luck. And then, again, it's just like if you're a band of brothers and you hear that and you have each other's back, thats that's going to play a major, major factor, and I felt that's what happened with us for our successful run.
0: Well, it it was a successful run. And we want to definitely get you get some thoughts from you about your experience at the Super Bowl and some thoughts, obviously, on this game predictions, etc. Just to kind of piggyback off of John's question there a little bit. um, You know, I I guess I want to talk about continuity, both for this team and kind of how you felt that went on the teams that you played for with the Bengals. And what I mean by that is it's very hard to reach the Super Bowl. It's very hard to get back there regardless of you if you win it or lose it. You know, you look back to your time with the Bengals, um, you know, they had the, the one Super Bowl run and the, the only other time was a, a, post, a postseason run in 1990 where you guys lost in the divisional round. That was the, the curse began then. Um, but I, I guess just talk a little bit about that, how difficult it is to get back to this game to this level. And do you see, because this is such a young team, a developing team with a lot of talent, do you see that this iteration of, of the Bengals may have a better chance at making this a more regular thing than other Bengals teams in the past?
2: Well, let me speak firsthand for, uh, first. Uh Getting back to the Super Bowl is something you naturally think it was easy to get here because mm-hmm. of your body of work. So you, you take that for granted, and there's nothing from – Uh, human, a human nature standpoint, that's, you're going to think different. Okay. You're going to really believe, okay, we did this. This is how we got there. This is, I won't say easy. We're going to come in and we're going to do, well, it's obviously it's not that easy. And we, and we lived by the sword, died by the sword to get there is a major accomplishment. But let me just say this. It is the most bittersweet moment. If you don't win, because if you don't win, you become one of 31. It doesn't matter who finished second. People don't talk about the backup. So you go back two or three years or five years or 10 years or whatever, and nobody knows who the Super Bowl champions play. They go, oh, oh, was it? Oh, yeah, it was that team. You you go back to the pack. You're no, you're no different. Yes. I think from a from a local community standpoint, we look at this as such a big thing for us because the drought has been so long and so dry that man our level of expectations were so low we set we didn't even have a bar. I won't even say well, the bar was set low. We didn't have a bar. So that in itself made it some made it something special. But you do take for granted that you're going to make it back. We took for granted that we were going to make it back. This team is going to take for granted that they were going to make it back. But let me use a present-day example, the Kansas City Chiefs. How many championships have they won when we thought with the Patrick Mahone era would just bring championship after championship after championship? And again, I, I don't understand. If, if you look at Patrick Mahone's career the last two or three years, you're looking Joe Burrow right in the face right now. Everything goes right, and then you start wondering, like, what happened? Well, defenses get better. Defensive coordinators start understanding you more. They start game planning you better. So then you lose a key person. And, and we talked about all the things that's gone in for the Bengals success. Health has been the biggest reason. They, they some reason, COVID went left when the Bengals went right. <laughs> so no one, they did not lose a major, a major part of their team for an extended period of time. You have to have all these things in place in order to get back, and that's not something you can count on. And Pittsburgh is going to get better, and Baltimore is going to get better, and Cleveland is going to get better. So the, your window of opportunity is now. It's not You can't rely on tomorrow.
1: We're talking with nine-year NFL veteran Tim McGee. Spent eight of those years with the Cincinnati Bengals and was a part of the 1988 1988- Super Bowl team Tim I I think you we brought up a lot of good points with with what you just said and I want to piggyback off of Anthony's question a little bit specifically just with this postseason run because a lot of people have talked about how great the defense has been and they force a lot of turnovers and they've gotten away with not exactly being that great on offense despite having a lot of offensive explosion during the regular season do you think that there are some things that are that aren't necessarily sustainable that they've been doing in the postseason right now, or does that all get thrown out the window just because it's just a four week window
2: and there's only one game left it's a four week window one one game at a time you know you you go for it uh there's you know you you go for it on third third and one and fourth and one what do you what do you have to live with especially with a team like this uh it's It's going to be something special for this young ball club to go into this game, not knowing what they don't know and seeing how they re- will react. Will it be, you're gonna have one of the two, if not both. You're gonna have nervousness and or anxiety. Which one will take over the body? Will the nervousness take over pre-game and once you get into your comfort zone? The football field gentlemen, is a NFL player. It was my comfort zone. It was my lazy boy chair. It was my pillow. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so once I got there, all this other stuff and the, the interviews and and the hoopla and the parades and the pet rally, yeah you did it, but you did it for the fans and you did it pretty much because you, you had to do it. Because if you if you poll the players and ask them who wants to do this, you probably have about four people then. you probably wouldn't even know who the hell those four people four guys were. That's just the way it goes. It's, it's a necessity. It's an obligation. But once they once this young ball club gets to the football field, once they get to the stadium, I am so interested to see how they will react because let me tell you, it is a, it's a lot of pressure. It is it is a tremendous amount of pressure to go in and knowing there's only one game in town in the world, and you're pl- you're playing in front of a hundred million plus people throughout the world, and you know one drop one drop pass. You know, you're dropping a pass in front of 100 million people and God, so you know it's it's just not the most. <laughs> so it, it's just going to be interesting.
0: Talking with Tim McGee, always a great time, and he he wants to come on the show. He is not forced to, right? Tim, we don't we don't force you. At least I would like to think that I don't force you.
2: To no, by no. Str- but... I, I I love talk, I love talking Bengals. I love talking with you guys. It's it's real comfortable, and you know it's it's just fine.
0: Well, I I appreciate that. Um, Look, uh, you, I believe, were in attendance for that Bengals home playoff game against the Raiders, were you not? Yes, I covered the game. I actually did the
2: uh, analyst. Yeah, Yeah.
0: so I I figured as much. I just wanted to get your take on that culmination of 30-plus years that the Bengals finally got the work done, and did you feel like at that point getting that, off of their their backs there did you feel like you know what maybe this is going to start leading to at least one more win here uh in in the postseason maybe
2: not super bowl but did you feel like they could get on a little streak see i I felt differently i i got as a guy that covers the Bengals and do the post game show on wlw 700 WOW. i just got sick and tired of people talking about us i mean it was a (laughs) real deal if you followed anything i said i just got sick of hearing our names. I got sick of people talking about it because, you know, great the Icky Shuffle and great Boomer Science and the and the Immortal Anthony Munoz. But gosh, that was 30 years ago. What other team organization in the world talks about their foot their team 30 years prior or 30 years in the present? So I, I felt differently. I I I didn't feel a a sense of relief. I just I was just so excited that. You know finally this monkey was off their back and you know these poor players they're they're they don't know nothing about they weren't even born when this crap started so you know why why are you subjecting them to this type of questioning and this type of pressure and i thought zach taylor did a wonderful job in just keeping it away not talking about it and because it wasn't it wasn't their thing it was it wasn't mine because we won it, it was the one that didn't win. So let them talk about it. That's their history. That's their, that, that that's, that's something for them and not something for this team. So, I, you know, was I excited? I was on the football field when it happened. So the last play I was on the field, cause we were, obviously we were going to cover the game as soon as it ended. And so by having two feet on the ground, oh my God, just to look up in the stadium and hear that roar on the last play when it was an, an interception and we knew it was over, man. I don't, I guess only a, a Super Bowl win is gonna match that. Because again, they were playing they were playing at home where, you know, the other two games they played on the road. So you don't, you know, you don't feel as connected, so sort to of speak, when, you know, you don't have that, you know, sixty-five thousand screaming fans.
1: We definitely hear you though. We want to keep it in the present. We want to talk about this team in regards to that. So let's just stick it with these past three playoff games because they've all been kind of different. They've all kind of uh kind of played out in different ways. Considering all the circumstances and all the context, what do you think was the most impressive of the three playoff wins thus far?
2: I thought it would be special teams. Uh, I think special teams has been the hidden gem. We know the defense has played absolutely well, and this is it, this team mimics our eighty-eight team. What people don't realize when you look back, if you can go back that far back when, when they had uh, eight-track tapes and cassette tapes and you know back, back in those days, our, we, our offensively, we didn't play well in the playoffs. Our defense carried us. Our defense was crap mm. pretty much the whole year. But when we <laughs> needed them, they, they were the one that carried us through and special teams. If you, again, if you look at it, Stafford Jennings scored our touchdown you know, on, yeah. on the kickoff return. So when you look at it, you know, from a team standpoint, everyone's talking about Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, how explosive all their dynamic players, rightfully so, because it's true. But when you look at their success over the last three games, it's been the defense and special teams that's really, really have played their butts off. And they're, they're, they've been just as much as a key to success as the offense has been.
0: I wanted to, a couple of, of our live chat viewers, Ask this question since we're talking about the present Bengals for the for the minute here. What are your thoughts on Chris Collinsworth saying Chase is the best Bengals wide receiver? And then there was kind of a follow up there from another uh another listener. I thought Collinsworth said he was the best Bengals wide receiver he's ever seen. Chris Carter said he was the best wide receiver he's ever seen, a rookie wide receiver. I don't know. What what do you think about all of that praise heaped on on Chase, the rookie? And obviously, last time we talked with you. He was kind of going through a, a slower patch of the season after that explosive start, and then he really the, the Bengals made some adjustments. Chase made some adjustments, and he ended the season very very nicely. So I don't know your overall thoughts of the rookie wide receiver and what he has done
2: in this outstanding year. I will I would uh, obviously give him the highest praise of um, of of accolades you can give for a year, but uh, I would I would measure that within a one year, not a career. Uh, and I don't mean to cap that as in try to control it or manage it. I, I, I just want to make sure it's been an outstanding year, not an outstanding career. The toughest part about it is it's when he goes into his second and his third and, and so on, he's going to face some some different adversities. And then we'll be able to judge him. And we talk about the totality of all receivers. I wouldn't put him at this point in time. I would say he has that special talent to be I think he's headed in that direction. I think he's gotten off to the start that he, you know, he should be in that conversation, but I I wouldn't say he's the best right now. I would say he's had the best single season. There's no question about it. And I think he has the best upside and potential. And if he stays healthy, I think, we will be putting a period in on on the end of the sentence, saying he is the best to ever put on the Bengals uniform because he's more than a wide receiver. He is a multi-dimensional uh, offensive weapon. I think it's a we're we're not doing him a service when we call him a wide receiver. That kid can play slot. He can play running back. He can play tailback. Mm-hmm. He can play. You know, he, he and probably can return kickoffs and punch too so you know i i i wouldn't put him in handcuff him to be a wide receiver i think he will probably be the b- best bingo skill position player in Bengal history when we look <clears throat> back on his career if he stays healthy
1: yeah and you mentioned adversity and opportunities and he's got no tougher one possible than going up against maybe the best cornerback in the nfl in the Super Bowl, it's been a topic of conversation this week, him going up against Jalen Ramsey of the Los Angeles Rams and how the Bengals are going to address that and attack that. Personally, for you, like, what do you think is the biggest key to that? Do you think the Bengals have shown enough of evolving his role in the past half of the season to take advantage of that? Or are you looking for something that not a lot of people were talking about and how to just uh, work around Ramsey?
2: Man, I got this stupid smirk on my face. I, I was trying to hold it back while you were asking the question. <laughs> Let me tell you. It's going to be tough. Let me, let, me tell you, let me tell you why it's going to be tough. I know we we tend to – I got to break the game down. We we tend to look at Jamar Chase versus Jalen Ramsey in that down the field he's going to be able to run his route and will he be open, blah, 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 blah. The advantage Jalen Ramsey has on Jamar Chase is Aaron Donaldson, Von Miller, and the front seven you're not going to have as much time. Chase will not have that much time as he would against other defense. So what you will see, if you notice, Chase didn't have that big, huge, dynamic game against the Raiders until late. And, you know, don't get me wrong, he had his moments. But when you're playing against a shutdown corner that can can guard you without a pass rush, Imagine what's going to happen with the pass rush. With that being said, I think from a team standpoint, that will help the T. Higgins and that will help the other assets the Bengals have on offense if they put Jalen Ramsey on uh, uh, Jamar Chase. But again, man, this this defense. I'm concerned. I'll be the first to tell you. I'm I'm concerned because they have three super studs on at the first, second, and third level, and when you have that type of pass rush, you got an edge rusher, you got a guy coming up the middle. You know that means Joe Burrow won't have the lanes to run. Von Miller's coming, and and then I, I didn't name all the other. They got three or four quality, solid players as well, and then on your back end, you got you know jalen ramsey following jamar chase everywhere yeah he's going to get beat a couple times but you know it's that if i lose if i if i win more than i lose well is that going to be six points or will it be no points will it be a first down will it be short of a first down man it's 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 and that's what i love about the chess match of this particular game because both teams are kind of looking at each other in the mirror there so and the coaches as well they obviously they came from the same tree you know um Zach is a uh, disciple of, uh, of, of Sean McVay, so a lot of twists and turns in, 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 in the breakdown from a strategic standpoint of this game.
0: Uh, talking with Tim McGee, former Bengals wide receiver and currently covers the team as an analyst for w- WLW. Um, I hope you've got a couple more minutes, Tim. I don't want to sure. you know, no, be respectful of your time here, but uh, I'm I'm kind of the resident history guy. I like to kind of go back and tie back into the present and all that kind of stuff. I want to get your take on halftime adjustments and, and what we've seen so far this postseason on that front, both offensively. A, more so maybe even defensively uh, in terms of what the Bengals have done in the final two quarters with some of these games. And was that a big point of emphasis with your teams, the, namely the 1988 Super Bowl team? Was Weish a big proponent of that uh, in terms of halftime adjustments? Or was it kind of, hey, we've, we've, we're really confident in this game plan and we'll we'll stick it out if it's not
2: immediately working for us? We didn't adjust much, and the reason we didn't adjust much, we had Anthony Munoz, and we had a we had a uh, we had an offensive line that, trust me, you, you what do you adjust on the offensive line? We just we felt we would win the at the point of attack, pretty much against everyone, if not everyone. And as far as the back end or the receivers, it w- it was just a matter. Okay, our adjustment was here's what they're doing to Eddie, here's what they're doing to Tim, here's what they're doing to Chris uh icky or jb what's open so okay if they if they want to overload one side we go to the other side but we didn't make the adjustments as people think adjustments are we didn't go and say okay let's change this let's do this no and what we had was and and maybe they have them i don't know but we have what's called side adjustments where if a corner rolls up okay we were not expecting it but we go outside shoulder and now we know the tight end becomes the uh, or the running back becomes the first read down the middle of the field so we already had those built into our our offense Mm -hmm. so halftime and when you talk about halftime leading up to the super bowl or the super bowl adjustments first of all you got to adjust to halftime because halftime is going to be so long (laughs) you know halftime is going to be so so extended that it's it's hey man i couldn't tell you especially for older players it is tough it's really tough because you know you usually go in uh use the bathroom make some adjustments put on a dry shirt or you know a change shoes and whatever and then you come together and you know the coach say okay here's what we're doing and you know you have your individual breakdowns grab some you know a a, a power bar or something and go back out this one you're going to be sitting there just as long as you and you're going to be sitting there longer than you were playing in the first half yeah, so how wow. do you how do you adjust to that that's going to be major but i don't think neither team will you don't get to this point and then all of a sudden let someone else dictate what you do. So if if it's working, you know, when you look at the, and you break that Kansas City game down, I know Patrick Mahomes didn't play well in the second half and people equate that to, oh, the Bengals did this. You know, sometimes it was just I, I, I missed the ball by that much. You know, I missed the hole by that much. The ball got tipped. The ball fumbled. So it's not necessarily that you go in. Halftime adjustments are overrated. <laughs> that, that's probably the best way. I, that's a fans thing. Oh, they didn't make any adjustments at halftime. What do these coaches don't know what he's doing? What the hell do you think they do? Got to play for the first half and a play in place for second half. That doesn't work. You know, you go in <laughs> adjustments is just a matter of here's what they're trying to do to us. That's it. Yeah. And now here's how we're going to combat it. But we don't have two two game plans that say, oh, this is our first half game plan and this is our second half game plan. It doesn't work like that.
1: I really want to stay here because it, it is such like a misconception. It, it's brought up constantly with fans and it was constantly like the Marvin Lewis era. Like, Oh, this guy doesn't do halftime adjustments. How do you, how do fans like get so caught up with that? Do you like have any idea how that even started?
2: You know, uh, fans, when fans doesn't understand the term adjustment, when they hear the word adjustment, they think wholesale adjustment. They think you, you know, you're going to change 180 degrees and then you're going to go a different course. well, the other team makes the same adjustments on and so forth. So yes, there is a chess match, <clears throat> but you have, you go into a game with a game plan and you, you have to be able to, what Sam Weiss and Bruce Cosley would always instill us. <clears throat> we will have the top 15 plays. Every team does them. They have top 15 plays and it's their script. And he would always have, they would always have play eight and nine. They would say, be ready to INA. And INA mean improvise and adjust. So improvise and adjust was meaning, you know, if a guy is, if you're supposed to run a slant and the guy is sitting on the slant, don't run the slant, you know, adjust on the road. You should know that automatically, but from fans, you know, and I I get to interact with fans. I, I, I try to go to different sports bars and go watch and just listen to people and listen to them talk, man. I have, I love fans, but some of them are the biggest morons. <laughs> they have no idea what the hell they be talking about, <laughs> and I just sit there. And, and, you know, it's it's that it's that parent directive: stopping, tackling, throw the ball, catch the ball. It's like okay, that's simple, but how do you do that when you have someone on your back, or or you're just the guy has more talent than you? You know, it's like we talk about Jonas Williams. You know, when you're going against Miles Garrett, I I mean, you know, guess what? Jonas Williams ain't the only person that can't stop Miles Garrett. You know, the other 31 left tackles can't stop him either. So, you know, yeah, he struggled, but that don't mean he's a bum. That means when you play against Aaron Donald, guess what? The guy that's playing over Aaron Donald, uh, playing in front of Aaron Donald, he will have nightmares. (laughs) He's having them right now. He is not sleeping well. And guess what? Every single guard center and guard that played against Aaron Donald did not sleep well that week. So it is what it is. But fans have to understand that, man, I'm sorry, dude. It just, it's over. Halftime is overblown. There are no, these adjustments. And just because you see something from the bird's eye view of your TV, dude, it's, it's not that easy. I, I wish it was. It's just not that easy.
0: Well, I'm going to replace this hat and put on a dunce cap since we've talked about how adjustments are not a thing. Because I feel a little silly bringing that up now. But that's
2: hey, you okay. sound—you like, sounded like my wife now, <laughs> putting a dunce hat on me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Got a question here, Tim, and we'll we'll start wrapping it up. This has been awesome chatting with you, uh, Robert. Here says does Mr. McGee have any thoughts on what it would be like to see Mike Brown holding the Lombardi or the Brown, I guess the Brown family in general, you've been associated with the Brown family for such a long time as a player and as an a- analyst and all that. I, what, what do you think this whole thing and this whole, even being here again after so long, what do you think this all means for the Brown family and to the Brown family, Blackburn family, et cetera?
2: I, I remember that's a great question because I reflect back when um our Super Bowl year was one of Paul Brown's. I think it might have been his last year, mm-hmm. uh, alive, that is. And um, I, I remember we wanted to win it for him. And and I know this team wants to win because um, um, Mike, I think, it's like 82-ish, something like that. <laughs> and, and, you know, hopefully he'll be with us another 20, 30 years or whatever. But it would mean so much to me on a personal note, on a personal note, because I know he is totally misunderstood by the public because he doesn't make himself – accessible to the public as far as who he is and what he believes in and all that he's a very private individual that absolutely loves his ex his former players he absolutely just oh my god he melts when he's around us and he's so caring you know i I, i've told so many stories how he's taught me things and he's brought me into his office and showed me when i was in my fourth year Broke down. Okay, here's if you make this amount of money here, and if you save this, this is what you're gonna pay in taxes. Hmm. You know, just fa- very fatherly. So, for from from a personal standpoint, you know, I, I it would it would just mean everything for me to just to see him lift that that trophy and, and the people can get off his damn back. You know, it's, yeah. it's just amazing. It's amazing to me how you know you give Joe Burrow a credit. You give Zach Taylor credit, you give Joe Mixon and, and Jamar Chase, and you give this person and the fan, and you give the fan. But you don't hear nobody talking about Mike Brown. Mm-hmm. Because he, he's in a position, people, fans have put him in a position where he only gets criticism. He doesn't, in the family as well. They don't get the credit that they deserve. And they have put a hell of a football team on the football field the last number of years. And sometimes they struggle, but you know what? When we have the conversation, things like this, and I won't get into it, like the African-American coaches, we had one for 16 years, baby. You know, nobody's talking about that. So, again, he's been a pioneer in a lot of ways. His family mm-hmm. has been a pioneer in, in a lot of ways. I never understood why he received so much criticism versus credit. And, you know, it, it just it, it would mean the world to me for him just to see him smile because I know what type of heart that man has.
1: Definitely agree with all those points. Um yeah. But with that being said, I mean, should you probably get a new jacket for the Super Bowl celebration? We don't want to walk walk around like he's a potato out there, you know, like maybe that's just Mike, though. Hey, listen,
2: fashion is not Mike Brown's. And let me see. Let me tell you, you're not going to find him at the tailor. You're not going to find him at the car dealership. And if I had my choice, I will give him a new hat, (laughs) not one that he sat on while he was driving his car. I would actually give him a new hat, but you know what? He is not by no stretch of imagination, as you can just tell by his public persona, he is not. Uh, he is not going to win any fashion contest, what <laughs> whatsoever. Matter of fact, I don't even think he'll place. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I. That was a. That was definitely a sight uh, at the AFC champion, championship game there. But uh, you can tell you could tell what that whole thing meant to him, too, for sure. But yeah. uh, we'll, we'll get you out of here in just a minute. Just quickly, what, what's just kind of thinking back to your experience at the Super Bowl, whether it's the media stuff, you mentioned the lengthy halftime and just kind of how that's a huge adjustment for teams. But just this experience as a player for you, Tim, what's something that you remember, I guess, the most uh, hopefully a positive thing, even though the the results didn't end up that the way you wanted it. But what's something you remember the most, either the game itself or leading up to it um, that that you look back and you go, well, this was just such a unique thing, such a, a different experience that not many people get to get to see
2: my my most memorable and the uh, most is that the closest and um, I would say nearest and dearest to my heart was my mom got the experience. It. and being from the inner city and coming you know my path, of you know a small city i mean small school high school in in Cleveland Ohio that produced myself charles oakley and some other uh, pro pro athletes but her experience in flying down to Miami you knowing you know just just going through all the the stages of life as a kid and seeing her you know her struggle or whatever and then just being and now her her son which who she created you know was a part of something so so magical so big and then from from a professional standpoint it was probably the most bittersweet moment of my life you know you, your kids are your are, are your they're your pride and joy and it's just sweet uh, everything is so beautiful when you have children but going to the super bowl and leaving with a loss i i tell you it's it's a bag of mixed emotions that you know it's mm-hmm. you're i mean you're deflated you're you're on this this sugar rush and man, you're, you're riding high and the city loves you. And when you lose, man, I'm, I'm going to tell you, there's just no, you know, and, and this is one of the things I, you know, I've talked about so many times that on, on the, in comparison to two, comparing the two teams, you never get over it. I mean, you just never, get you now. again, I, I've, I've moved on with my life. You know, right, right. I, I, you know I'm not taking any medication for it and I like that, <laughs> but it's something that just, you know, it, it, it's the, the winds will come out the sails yeah. real fast and, all what we talked about all the ca- it, would just, it would literally just go down the hill and you know finishing second in the nfl is not you know it's, it's settling and you'll 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 never want that feeling so you don't want that participation trophy or that participation ring i don't even wear that afc championship ring never wear it. Mm-hmm.
0: well uh let's let's first of all before we get your prediction on this game. Uh, uh, we've got SNL alum, Saturday Night Live alum, Luke Knoll, joining us. Uh, start Tim for a snap this Sunday, dude. Looks good. What? Do you, what's your forty time these days, Tim?
2: You mean in my years? You mean in my car or going downhill? <laughs> or you mean forty feet, forty yeah. inches? What, what? What? What are we talking here? Whatever, whatever, whatever's
0: the most flattering, I guess, would be the would be the answer there.
2: Well, my car goes pretty fast. So. <laughs> but if you If you ask me to run a 40 what would my time be now or would i finish it i probably would look like what was that offensive line was it andre smith remember oh, andre smith man. at the combine i oh, wouldn't have man. the man boobs going but my time would be very comparable to that
0: <laughs> i i doubt that I, I, I doubt that but uh that's that's another story for another time um, what what's what your You've we've taken up a lot of your time. I greatly appreciate it. What's your what's your thoughts and predictions on this game and how this is going to go? I know you've kind of hinted at the fact that you're afraid of some of these matchups for the Bengals offense in terms of the the Rams defense, particularly the line. But do you think they can overcome some of these things like they've done so far this preseason and get the their first Super Bowl win, or do you think it's heartbreak central on the way for for the Bengals?
2: Well, I say this. I am superstitious when it comes to the last three, three, four weeks. Okay, I have picked the Bengals to lose, to beat the Raiders, lose to um, the Titans, and lose to Kansas City. And you damn well believe I'm going to pick them to lose, <laughs> so they can, so they can win. <laughs> I am uh, not changing a thing. I am uh, not going to change but, a thing. But I you picked Kansas them to beat the Raiders, team. though. I said I picked them to beat the Raiders because they were they were a better team, and they did. I mean, they did. But hmm. I thought they wasn't a better team than the Titans, the Kansas right. City Chiefs, and the Rams. So I, I'm superstitious. I'm saying they're going to lose by 50 because I I, <laughs> I I want to be wrong in the worst way. I want you guys to call me again and go, you were wrong again. And I'm like, yes, they we're a Super Bowl champion. <laughs> nothing,
1: nothing bittersweet about a 50-point loss, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Hey, listen. I'm superstitious in this regard. You yeah. know, everybody is going to wear the same underwear they wore last week. Everybody's going to have, <laughs> they hat the same way. Everybody's going to sit in their chair the same way and watch the game in the same place. I'm doing the same thing. I got my fingers crossed. I'm hoping I'm wishing I'm praying I'm wrong and I better be wrong.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Should be, should be a good one. Thanks for, for coming on game. the show. Yeah, I really should. I, should I, I do think it'll be a close game. one. Great. Yeah. Game. Yeah. Um, Thanks thanks for, for coming on the show. And just quickly remind folks where they can catch you as an analyst for the team and uh, everything that you're doing to, to help cover the Bengals.
2: Yeah, we're going to, I, I do my post-game show uh, after the Super Bowl. Before the Super Bowl, I'll be on 12 to 2 on 700 WLW. And after the Super Bowl, I'll be on 9 to 11, 11 p.m. to 1 a.m., Woo. Yes, I didn't. Yeah, that was right. 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Talking about the Super Bowl champions, Cincinnati Bengals world champions. I'll go. be talking about that. And then the the following day, I, I'm always on doing uh, different segments with the uh, the different talents on 700 WLW.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for making time for us during this busy week. I know you've got a lot going on and thanks for hanging with us with a little bit of difficulties to start the show. As always, an immense pleasure talking to you. And um, if you are open to it, We'd love to have you on again in the future, hopefully talking about the You Super better World. have me back talking about the
2: champions, baby. It's the <laughs> champions.
0: Yeah. We will. If, if, you're, if you're in, we're in all the time. You know that. I'm in. So, I'm
2: in, my man. I'm in. All
0: right. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks. Take care, and uh, we'll catch up soon. Thanks again, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Thank that you, Tim. was Tim, Tim McGee. Former Bengals wide receiver, awesome guy, spent, uh, gosh, 40-plus 40, 40 minutes with us, 40-plus minutes with us, what a guy, and like I said, uh, I felt really bad, John, we, um, I, you know, I, I of course, we get set, and the computer's screwing up on me, and all kinds of different stuff, and you said it before we kicked off, My my computer fan sounded like the thing was going <laughs> to melt the whole thing down, I was like going on my iPad, I was doing all kinds of different things, but we made it work. We've got a lot of live viewers that tuned in for that. And uh, what a guy, man. I, I I love that guy.
1: He's got an appreciation for for live productions, man. It's like, you know, sometimes adversity happens and you overcome it. It's like Burrow and the Bengals offensive line. You know, it's just a testament to this entire run, to this entire season. And no one knows the intricacies and the context of that better than our friend Tim McGee.
0: That's right. And it's it was... Absolute pleasure um, having him on again, and uh, he's been so kind to our show. I appreciate that. We've got a number of other shows and interviews lined up for the rest of the week. We've got one we can't quite tell you about that that's in the works, but we're pretty excited about that when we are able to potentially tell you about that. We most definitely will. That should be a, a pretty pretty fun one, though. We have Charles Alexander, former Bengals running back member of the 1981 team, that uh he'll be joining us uh ken anderson is tentatively scheduled to join us on thursday afternoon as well we're working on firming up a time there so that'll be that'll be good and um we've got uh potentially all kinds of different things going on here but uh trying to give you all kinds of different coverage for the super bowl and it's been it's been a fun week been a busy week it's only what tuesday i can't even remember what day of the week it's only tuesday but uh (laughs) It's been it's been a good one.
1: And, and everyone, if you aren't already, follow us on Twitter at Bengals OBI, because Anthony is again in virtual media press row and he's delivering all sorts of. Con- he's already asked Zach Taylor questions. He's asked Bengals assistant questions. So everything that you need in regarding to what Bengals players and coaches are saying to the media, definitely check into at Bengals OBI on Twitter. Appreciate that.
0: Um, Yeah. So we've got a lot coming to you. We'll keep it rolling. We'll have some fun on Friday as well with some stuff. We are. Some of you may have tuned in as well. Um, We had David Fulcher scheduled for Monday afternoon. Uh, I think he got um, asked to go to the pep rally. Uh, after he had committed to us so we're working on rescheduling him too so we'll see how that works out there he's got a busy week I know but um, we had him slated and then the pep rally uh, happened and I think you know there was just some time conflicts there so we'll work on getting him back which would be fun to talk to him but uh, still a lot of good stuff coming up this week
1: I saw him there I saw him at the pep rally on on the podium and I, I tried to shout him and ask him like why he didn't come on but I don't think he heard me (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> well tomorrow on tomorrow's show where are John you and I are going to see a lot of each other this week my friend um, <laughs> uh, on tomorrow's show I hope you have some things to share with us in terms of video and whatnot uh, pictures maybe and, and different things like that we'd love to see some of that stuff from your experience at the pep rally I know a lot of fans were there too so that'll be a lot of fun and uh, we're, we're going to talk about this game we may have a special guest we'll see what happens there but uh, at any rate we're we're cranking things out here and at CincyJungle.com. What, what's coming up on tap this week on the website, John?
1: Oh, boy. We got some interesting content. Uh, we got a Meet the Bengals type piece. We got a Why You Should Root for the Bengals type piece. And we got a little, little something a little something special that I've been working on for a couple of weeks just to kind of wrap up this entire run that they're on, trying to put it into my own words and context. So if you want to check out all that, like Robert Oberg says in the next five sleeps until destiny, definitely checking into cincyjungle.com for all of your best Bengals news, opinions, analysis, and eventually post-game coverage of the first Super Bowl win in Cincinnati Bengals history.
0: We're excited about it, bringing you all kinds of different stuff. That's going to do it for us. We'll see you tomorrow with our show. We'll see you throughout the week with different interviews we've got coming up. Thursday is shaping up to be a big day on that front. We'll get you more info as we hear more, but uh, pretty stoked on that. John, take care and until tomorrow, my friend.
1: I will see you very soon, man.
0: All right. Thanks to Tim McGee. We'll see you guys soon.